my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So on today's podcast, I have a special guest. I have dating coach Anwar White, who specializes in helping Black and Brown women find healthy relationships and find their best partnerships. And if you're on socials, you may have seen some of his viral clips and TikToks, and they go viral because he gives really great advice, support, practical tips to help women find their best partners. And so We are getting into the end of the year. I know many of you are going to be focusing on making sure that dating in 2024 looks different than it has looked leading up until now, or that you want to make sure that you have some great resources and sight and mindset going into it. And so in today's podcast, Anwar and I talk about boundaries. We talk about vulnerability. We hit on interracial dating, which is a controversial topic for some, but also something that is really important for us as women of color to talk about, which Anwar and I are going to share more about why that is in this episode, and really just focusing on having what you want. And so I really hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. And if you are not in this stage, uh, this is for you to, this would be a great episode for you to share with someone who is. And if you are not in this stage, not because you do not want to be in this stage, but right now you're focusing on yourself, this may still be a really great listen for you. And then you can come back to it later whenever you are in that place or in that stage for yourself. A little heads up that a little over halfway into the episode, my mic and my equipment totally gave out on me. And so I had to switch to a backup mic, which is not as good, but you can still hear me. I just sound, uh, the sound is just different on on my end, but Anwar still sounds great. So just want to let you know that that change is going to come, but you'll still be able to hear everything perfectly clear and still get some really great information this episode. So that is it. Let's go ahead and jump on in. All right. Today on the podcast, I have the Anwar Wright. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. And thank you so much for being here. I was telling you before we started recording that I really love your material. I love your content. Um, You are helping so many women find love and find their value and find their worth. And so I just want to say thank you for everything that you do. It is a true honor, to be honest with you. You know, I think that um, Black women deserve everything in this world and more. And, you know, I was I was raised by Black women and protected by Black women my entire life, whether it was my great-grandmother making me grilled cheese sandwiches or those 
girls in junior high school that would protect me from all the bullies who wanted to be homophobic to my business school girlfriends who taught me how to ask for more. And so for me, it is very much, uh, I feel like it is my purpose and that I owe this and I want every Black woman to thrive in this world. So I, I, I love what I do. And you're great at it. You're absolutely great at it. So before we jump in with all that good stuff, can you tell our audience, those who are not familiar with you or your work, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Anwar White. I am a dating coach for Black and Brown women, but really mostly Black women. And I have been doing this for about 13 years. And, you know, I I always tell people that I've really been doing this all of my life. I have been helping the boys talk to the girls and the girls talk to the boys, even in elementary school, going to double Dutch to the basketball court and just connecting, right, more than anything else. And so, um, you know, it wasn't until I want to say after I got my MBA um, that I would reach out to all my girlfriends and their lives were going really well. They were, they had the job, they had the car, they had the home, they were traveling six times a year, but the love life was not where it needed to be. It was horrible. It was embarrassingly horrible to the point where they didn't want to share it. Right. And me being the type A person that I am, I was like, girl, this is ridiculous. You're amazing. I'm just going to take this over for you. And like within a couple of months, all of them were like getting into relationships. And then within a couple of years, they were all getting engaged and married. And I was like, oh my God, I appreciate and I love this much more than the billion dollar budgets that I was managing in fashion at the time. And so I got certified as a relationship coach. And, you know, you know how it goes when somebody gets a man, they're like, girl, how'd you do it? And then- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> girl the business flourished right you know, which 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 is a blessing and again an honor yeah yeah to find someone who knows what they are talking about and also is actually helping people make that change and transformation is amazing and so i'm happy that you know your your girlfriends and now women around the world have gotten that opportunity. So that what you just said though in that introduction gives me a lot of questions. So the first question that I have related to that is um, what is it that you saw in either your friends or what you see now with women who have everything but the relationships aren't really coming? What is the the block? I know right now people are talking a lot about masculine and feminine energy and that type of stuff, but I'm curious about what you have seen to be the case. Yeah, I think that smart and successful Black women have a lot of challenges. And I don't mean that to to, uh, victimize. I mean that in like, I want to keep it real with you, right? Your experience is different because you have a different lived experience. So a lot of the things that I see are they use their head with in love and not their heart, Mm. right? And which for me, and in my experience, I'm always helping them really get in tune with their feelings because it is through the feelings that we can get to the intuition, Mm -hmm. right? And then we can start to really love and trust ourselves. And so some of the disconnects that I see is that they're using their mind, they're leading with that. And in doing so, they are making justifications for different kinds of actions and behaviors that may happen versus just honoring what they what they feel and going with that. That's mm-hmm. number one, which, you know, there's a lot of context around that. And, you know, for many of us, 
um, we grew up in households that were uh, really encouraged us to be quite stoic, right? Mm -hmm. I think many of our parents knew how hard this world was going to be. And actually, I think raised Black girls differently than Black boys and actually wanted them to be harder knowing the challenges that they were going to have to go through. And so when you harden the little girl, right, it brings this wall around the heart, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to lead with intellect and we have to lead with the mind, which is unfortunate because that actually can work against you. So that's like one of the major things that I see that happens when it comes to, um, you know, Black women specifically dating and getting into relationships, which I think aligns with the masculine energy. Um, with the, but the funny thing is that most Black women are actually very feminine uh, and feminine energetically led in relationships, but it just doesn't translate while dating. And so part of my job as a dating coach is to actually um, engage and, and allow women to be courted in the way that they need to be. It's tough, right? And again, going back to my point about being stoic, when for many of our households, it's not something like sharing our feelings is not something that is often welcome and celebrated. And so we learn that, oh, nobody's going to care about my feelings. So I'm not even really going to share them. And so, again, my job is helping my clients become vulnerable so that they can actually deeply connect with the man. Right. You won't. Connection, I think, happens in three ways, emotionally, uh, intellectually and physically. And. Yeah. If we're not allowing ourselves to connect emotionally, then we're going to over-index in some of the other things, right? The intellectual connection or the physical connection. Um, so again, I, I, I believe vulnerability is a superpower when it comes to dating and relationships. And my job is to help Black women specifically learn how to feel comfortable and confident being vulnerable from a feeling perspective. Because ultimately what will happen is once you're able to do that, um, it actually engenders a level, an environment of trust. And then the man feels like he can be emotionally available and share his vulnerability. And that is when the connection really happens. And so learning how to actually uh, be vulnerable is another thing that I think is really important going back to your original question, question around how do we, how do we move forward? Right. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you have a full process that we could not do justice in this podcast episode, but I would love to hear just for those who are like, okay, vulnerability, what does that look like? Uh, maybe they think they're being vulnerable. And then also a part B of that is what does that look like for women who they want to be vulnerable, but maybe they have a lot of trust and wounding behind, like in their history and their past, you know, that's made it hard for them. Yeah. So a lot of people think that they're being vulnerable when they just share their truth, right? Hmm. I think of, of, and I consider if you're sharing circumstances or facts, or hmm. you're sharing thoughts or opinions or perspectives, I consider that being open. Yeah. And a lot of people confuse being open versus being vulnerable. And I really think I consider vulnerability to be feelings based. Yeah, that is the difference. So 
you know, a lot of people think that they're being vulnerable when they say, oh yeah, I feel light. But anything that you share after that is an actual thought, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, honey, I, I know you know about the emotion wheel, honey. So mm-hmm. I have to get that emotion wheel out and we have to practice being vulnerable and using conversations with men online and offline to practice that. Because here's the thing, ladies, 97% of the guys that you interact with, go out with, you'll never go past a third date with them. So mm-hmm. please understand, we have, I want you all to use dating as an opportunity to practice and train on the things that you aren't necessarily super strong in. So that when you do get into the relationship, you are ready to rock and roll. Because if you mm-hmm. don't have those skills, even if you had the perfect man in front of you, you would still create disconnection if you if you weren't able to be vulnerable or if you still had a lot of the traumas and triggers coming up for you. Now, the second question that you had asked was around, you know, if I have wounding, how do I how do I how do I navigate that? The way that I think about this is, again, we use and I lean more toward the online because there's so many people to just like practice this stuff with. And it's actually easier to practice things like vulnerability and boundaries, which we haven't talked about yet, but with Mm -hmm. random strangers that you don't even know, because it doesn't even feel real. Like these people really aren't real until you go out with them. So like I use those mediums to be able to get into a habit where setting boundaries and being vulnerable is so seamless and natural, but it takes a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're literally deprogramming and reprogramming so many parts of how you navigate and connect with other people in relationships. And that takes a little bit of time. Okay. I definitely want to talk about boundaries, but my little squirrel brain, um, wants to ask you this because this is your area of expertise as far as online dating. I've mentioned on the podcast a few times now. I, I don't know if it was the New York Times or one of the online news publications talked about how there's been a decrease in dating apps. And so we have this this truth of, I think the majority of relationships these days, people are meeting online, but also according to that source, there's been a decrease in people at least doing paid prescriptions paid subscriptions. So in your world, have you actually seen that to be the case that there's been a different energy around online dating or is it still the same? Well, the pandemic was a game changer for online uh, dating, right? That so many people were on there. So relative to that time, yes, huge decrease. But the other thing that is important to understand when it comes to online dating is that people are are pushing these paid subscriptions much more than they had before. And actually, like, for example, an app like Hinge has significantly changed over the last year, year and a half. And the reason why I say that, like, girl, when the, during the pandemic, all my clients were getting their guys on Hinge. Mm-hmm. Now I don't even recommend it. Why? Because they're literally putting amazing profiles behind a paywall, right? So you have to pay to see some, you know, some of the more popular profiles that are out there for me that doesn't that doesn't line up ethically with me but and so also it it, like the app just has lost its luster right Mm -hmm. so there are also a lot of other apps where you don't have to pay to actually Mm -hmm. find your person right Mm -hmm. and I think other people I think a lot of people understand that and there's so many apps out there now with so many specific niches from farmer to you know 
Biden lovers to whatever it may be, right? That you don't need to pay. You don't need to pay to get what you want. And I think other people are finally understanding that because of the choice that we had within the actual dating app market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a preference with your clients on whether or not you suggest they do online dating versus in person? Uh, I am a both and person, not either or. So I I live in dating and relationships with an abundance mindset, and I want all of my clients to do so as well. I would say probably 70% of my clients will get their guy online and another 30 or third will get their guy offline. But um, again, the online for me, because of the numbers is really about being able to practice the things that we need to do to make sure that we're ready for the best relationship of our lives. Awesome. Great segue to talk about boundaries let's talk about that because you said that's one of your most favorite things to talk about with your clients as far as preparation right yes ma'am okay let's break it down tell us about boundaries and why they're important well i think everybody hears about boundaries nowadays but i think what's important for the black women that are listening right now is to understand that boundaries might be more difficult for you because you didn't grow up with them you weren't able to say no So like for many of my clients, uh, you know, we couldn't even close the door. We couldn't say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm full. I I don't want to eat everything on my plate. Or, you know, I couldn't say, mom, my head hurts because you're pulling it out of my head. Right. So understanding like the actual conditioning that you're having around boundaries makes it very hard to actually set them and maintain them in your adult relationships, romantic or not, right? And so there is, uh, in our nervous system, this, this it, it, our nervous systems are often shattered and in a mess when we have to think about setting boundaries because, you know, as kids, some of us got whooped, right? If we said no or said our peace or our truth, right? That there is a, like a, a reaction and a negative one that lives in our bodies that we actually have to practice to understand that we are safe setting boundaries as adults. And mm-hmm. it's different than just kind of intellectually talking about it. You have to live it so that you can actually like calm your nervous system and your body down while you're doing it. Because most people think that, oh, because 95% of my boundaries were not respected. That's what it's going to look like as an adult. And so my job is to be like, no girl, we're going to set boundaries left and right so that you understand that like actually 95% of the time your boundaries will be respected as an adult. Mm -hmm. And you won't know that until you actually live it. And so that is, those are many of the things that we are doing in this dating process because girl, at the end of the day, if you don't boundary well, you will not date well. And if you do not date well, you will not relationship well. So this is why it is important to set the precedent and be boundaried up while you are dating. And, you know, many people, what I hear a lot is, oh my God, I don't want to be mean or rude or a bitch or whatever, Um, you know, the excuses around being, having boundaries. I I call it, um, I think it's important to, I always tell them that I think it's important when they're thinking about boundaries to think about the fact that boundaries are safe. Boundaries are things like skin. 
it protects you from the inside and it also protects you from the outside. And so um, the right guy will actually love and respect your boundaries. And it is an important part of the evaluation process when you're dating. Same with vulnerability. But a lot of people aren't setting boundaries and quote unquote, going with the flow. And I always say, girl, if you go with the flow, girl, you're going to drown, right? Like Titanic. (laughs) You want to be boundaried up and see how he actually responds to your boundaries. Because that will tell you everything about his emotional capacity and sensitivity. Most women are not doing that. And then actually dealing with toxic and narcissistic people because they haven't set the boundaries at the very beginning. And they could have eliminated this guy for you know, on the third day instead of week three or month three, right? Just based on setting the boundaries. So I want to encourage everyone out there to please set boundaries left and right. Can you give an example of what you mean when you say set a boundary? Yeah, definitely. So I I use specific language because oftentimes I think a lot of people don't know what to say, right? They think, oh my God, I'm going to set a boundary by, I'm just going to tell you about yourself. And that's my boundary. Girl, when you do that, you're going to be met with defensiveness. And then boundaries in your head and in your body is going to feel like confrontation and not safe, right? So I I like to focus on kind of two foundational words, either preference or comfort, right? I would prefer if. I would feel most comfortable if, right? Because very neutral language And it is about feeling. And especially as it pertains to men, men want you to feel good. Men don't want to upset you. Like they want to, they are hardwired to want to protect you. So when you talk about your preference, you will be inspiring them. When you talk about your comfort, no man really wants to make you feel uncomfortable unless he is a perv, right? But (laughs) other than that, um, so sharing that and sharing what you would want helps to be able to, you know, get what you want and do it in a way that doesn't feel adversarial. And this is the same with parents as well, because I tell my clients all the time, if you can't set boundaries with your parents, you can't set boundaries with men. So please Mm -hmm. understand that you're going to have to do it with your parents too, girl. Mm -hmm. What's the connection between men and parents? Very intimate relationship. It's interesting, right? That many of us, girl, we can set a, we can set a boundary with our friends. Our friends are like, girl, I can do something at work. I can do something with friends, but parents, we go back to tribal days, right? It feels like they're going to banish us. And banishment back then meant animals were going to eat us in death. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of visceral reaction that we feel in an intimate relationship with a romantic one, with a, a man or a partner, right? And so that's the connection more than anything else. There's a, there's a deeper level of potential intimacy that happens mm-hmm. in both of those kinds of relationships. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful. And that makes a whole lot of sense. And thank you for that example of the, I prefer, or I would feel comfortable with, because something that I've seen here with the women who are in our community, I talk a lot about love addiction and love avoidance. And a lot of my clients or a lot of us who are love avoidant, we really lean into the boundaries because the boundaries give this sense of control and this sense of telling people what they're not going to do and how far they can go and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's out of defense and protectiveness, right? And something that I really try to talk about here is to flip or reframe boundaries instead of being about no's to being about yes. 
I want to say yes to you. This is what I need to say yes to you. And that is a more open way of showing up and inviting people in. And you're still protecting yourself. You're still being honest. You're still being clear what you want, but you're not pushing somebody away at the same time. And I love the framing of it too, because it's also so soft and it, it doesn't um, require you to come in as a warrior and to come in and say, let me get you before you get me. Right. Yeah. And it allows the man, if the person is dating a man to know this is the path that you're going to take to woo me and I'm ready for it. You know? So I love that. Yeah, I love that too. It's it's so important, you know, for many of us who didn't have a voice, you know, we can get triggered and feel like we're not heard and want to tell somebody about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. As an adult, you have agency and you have a voice and mm -hmm. you get to choose whether you want to use it or not because, you know, your silence is actually very powerful. Right. And I'm I'm not one to say girl, don't speak your truth. But I'm also saying that you don't have to, we don't need to argue with our partners, with men, with women, whoever you mm -hmm. decide to partner with. Mm -hmm. We get to check in with ourselves, see how it mm -hmm. feels. And if it doesn't feel good, we get to step away. Yeah. We don't yeah. have to move forward into the danger or into the, you know, unsafety that's yeah. happened before us. Mm -hmm. One question that I hear from um, clients and people in the community a lot too, or something that they say is that they want to know when is the right time to start to date and do they need to be healed first or do they need to wait until they have more time if they are a busy professional or something or they have kids or something like that what would you say to that is there a right time for someone to start to date or put themselves out there yeah it's going to depend on the individual right like if you are coming from a narcissistic relationship for 20 years it's going to take time to really healing and get back to your homeostasis your yourself right versus maybe you engaged with a you know a two month situationship and you want to put yourself back out there so um i always think it is important to gauge how you're feeling about your past relationship and if you're able to speak with it speak about it without a lot of emotions. If you're still talking about it and you angry and you're mad and frustrated, you're probably not ready, girl. Yeah. That's yeah. how, I, that's how I see it. You probably not ready. We need to get to a neutral point where you're just sharing that story. Once you're able to do that, I think that you're ready. The other thing that I say is, um, I always think it's important to do relationship inventories of your life because to be a successful dater, I think about it like poker, like the best poker players fold most of their hands, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that you're going to have to be okay letting people go, especially mm -hmm. as a woman, because men will not let you go for the most part. I think like 70% roughly of relationships end based on women you're going to have to say, I'm out. Yeah. So, and if you're not comfortable saying that, you're going to be stuck in these relationships that are not going to fully serve you. I'm, I'm sure you hear it all the time. I should have left mm -hmm. up at six and I'm, I'm leaving now at year five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the danger of not being able to set boundaries and to be able to let things go. So please, if you're, you've got to be able to do that relationship inventory, be able to let certain relationships go that are not fully serving you. And once you're able to do that and feel good about it, I think you're ready today. 
As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Yeah, no, that's great. A relationship inventory, that's that sounds very helpful <laughs> to be able to be clear and be honest with yourself. Um, so like I said before, love addiction and love avoidance. And so for my love addicts, we are absolutely the ones who hold on because we have mistaken intimacy, connection, relationship, or the fantasy of that for that meaning that this is our person and that it's going to fix something on the inside. And so it's not even necessary that we're holding on to this person because this person is so good, but because of the security that it um, that we hope that is going to give to us because we don't know how to give that to ourselves because we have so many open abandonment or rejection wounds and also as a callback to some of the things you were saying before as far as boundaries that we didn't specifically say to know what your boundaries are in the way that you're describing them it involves you knowing what it is that you want and being able to be very clear about what makes you feel special and how you feel loved and to have that sense of agency but when you've never had that before or you've gone the opposite spectrum from being overprotective to being a people pleaser or being someone who kind of morphs and um, 
becomes a chameleon and becomes needless and wantless to be whoever the man or the woman wants you to be, that's a hard pull. And it's very hard for you to know how to separate from that relationship when that relationship becomes your everything. And so knowing that you are your most important relationship is something that I really try to to stress and emphasize here. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, um, I definitely agree. You had mentioned something about getting clear on your relationship, um, what you want. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I kind of work with with my clients that I want to share here, which I think might be useful, is really getting clear about your needs versus your wants, right? Your needs are the things that you will be satisfied with 30 or 40 years from now. Your wants are things that are fun and fine now, right? Like if you want a guy that's six feet and over, that's a want, that's not a need. Yeah. If you want someone that is uh, funny, that's a want, that's not necessarily a need. Um, the way that I think about needs is I, I, I challenge my clients to think about what they didn't receive from their parents when they were growing up. And that will serve as the foundation of their deeper relationship needs, whether that is attention, whether that is basic life skills, hygiene, whether that is consistency and dependability, whether that is nurturing, being cherished, respecting of boundaries, protection, uh, you know, encouraging one's talents, unconditional love. You know, I want us to get really clear on what those needs are and then be able to evaluate men based on those needs. That's what I think is going to be the most important thing. And a lot, of, I think a lot of women don't necessarily do that. They're focused on, do I like him? Not, does he have the boyfriend skills? Because girl, toxic and narcissistic guys are very likable. Mm-hmm. They're very charismatic and they can charm and connect with anybody. So yeah. liking him is not enough. We actually have to be in the evaluation mode in dating to be able, based on your own specific needs, and that is based on your lived experience growing up, if he's hitting all of your needs or not. Mm -hmm. I, I have so many thoughts about what you just said. <laughs> One that I agree. Um, top most I agree. The one that is that I want to ask a follow-up question on though is the funny part because I agree with narcissists being so charismatic. But when I think about long-term relationships, I think about being able to like have conversations with them or being 100%. able to just enjoy them as people. So if funniness is not what you would call that, what would you call that? The ability to like enjoy each other. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have wants. What okay. I'm saying is that we need to prioritize our needs more than anything else. But what I'm seeing is that many women are actually prioritizing their wants over their deeper needs. Mm -hmm. Girl, if you want a six foot funny man, I want that for you too. Right. But I'm just yeah. saying that um, a lot of those things aren't necessarily going to make you fulfilled at the mm -hmm. end of the day and make you feel at home, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, like I said before, there are funny individuals that are toxic as hell, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is where I'm coming from more than anything else. If you, the, oftentimes people want to feel cherished and centered. Mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. when someone is being funny toward them, this is more about attention. This mm-hmm. is more about being cherished and having, you know, being a focus for someone more than anything else. So I think there's relation to the need, but I'm what I'm saying more than anything else is that it can't be the be all end all. Yeah. Here's where this is, question is coming from. I see with a lot of my clients that are straight, one of the things that can come up is they're with partners that are not as verbally expressive and emotional as they are, right? Um, which is to be expected, but it causes a lot of, I don't know if the word is discord, but it's like they really want someone who can be their best friend in all of these areas as well. And so even if the person has the integrity and the values and all these other things that are long-term key indicators and green flags, because there's not like this camaraderie and they can't come back and talk to them for hours about something. They wonder if the relationship is broken because they see people on TikTok or they see other relationships where people talk about being their best friend and they can talk forever. And they're like, well, is this broken? Because I can't do that with him, you know? Mm -hmm. So for you, that's why I was asking, is that actually a want or a need? Is that actually an indicator for a long-term partnership and happiness? Um, I think a partner's responsibility is to accept you and love you and motivate you. Yeah. And I think that having great conversations is great, but the reality of the everyday relationship is not necessarily that we're going to play slumber party with each other. It's more so that we're going to be co-CEOs in a nonprofit relationship or a nonprofit organization, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're making decisions together for the the best of the organization, of the partnership more than anything else. And so Mm -hmm. um, I have maybe different thoughts around relationships um, and, but I'm not of the mindset that he needs to be your best friend. I think you're about to answer a million dollar question for me then. In your opinion, from what you have seen, what is the purpose of being in a relationship? I think that the purpose of being in a relationship is for your own growth journey. Mm -hmm. And you're choosing someone to help you find the highest version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I say it all the time, relationships are about compliments. They're not about clones. So your compliment will be able to help you see those areas that you need to improve upon, to work on, to heal on, all of that, right? That I think is the beauty, I think, of dating to learn about yourself and to be in a relationship. Mm. That is how I see it more than anything else. Mm. It all comes back to you. Always, girl. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to say something about that because I have a lot of nice girls out there and a lot of, you know, many of us are raised to be, especially if you're from the Caribbean or, or Africa, you know, it's about the parents. It's about the family. It's about the community In dating and relationships, especially as a woman, you're going to need to be a bit self-centered and it goes against what how we're taught to be especially how women black women black girls are taught to be and when you said it comes back to you 
is always going to be about you, girl. It has to be about you. And the more that you make it about you, the more that you will attract people that will serve your needs for your ultimate happiness. So many of us are engaging with partners based on how our mothers and our grandmothers self-sacrificed everything and bent over backwards because that was the model of being a woman, thinking that that was what you were supposed to do and that's how you were going to love and be loved that, okay, that's how I'm supposed to do it. That's not how, that's not how you do it. Not in 2023, 2024, honey. Yeah. So I just want to, I want to honor this conversation by, by, by just stating we got to be self-centered. Mm -hmm. it has to be about ourselves from the yeah. beginning to the end yeah i mean and what you just said right there we are literally breaking generational curses yes ma'am you know um and giving future generations a, a chance to do something differently as well and not repeating that pattern so i love that going back to the want and needs conversation something that you talk about or at least no i think you talk about it often is black women dating interracially and uh, yes girl i'm smiling because i get a lot of can i can i cuss on your podcast girl you absolutely can cuss girl i get a lot of shit girl honey the black men hate me honey <laughs> they hate me yeah yeah so you know i have gone the closest i've come to saying it is i say often on this podcast go where you're loved to the women here um, but you are very direct with your audience with telling Black women that if they are limiting themselves to only dating African or African-American men, they may be limiting their potential for partners. Um, or you say they are. You say they are. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, most definitely. So I was a statistics major in undergrad. And so I, I think about love and dating and relationships both qualitatively, but also quantitatively. And what I know is that, and, and I'm just being very US focused here. Um, girl, if you are focused on just, let's just use hetero, the heterosexual relationship, right? There are 13% that are black men. So you're already eliminating almost nine out of 10 guys, right? Um, a quarter of them are either unemployed or underemployed. Another five to 10% of them are gay. Another two to 3% of them are in jail. And what does that mean? That means that one out of maybe every 50 guys, black guys, that's the bare minimum. Now, if you want somebody that is six feet tall, right? That's about 15% of the population. If you want a guy that is has six figures, that's another roughly 9% of the population, right? If you want somebody with a grad degree, some women do. I know it sounds like a lot, right? That's another, I think, 15, 13% of the population. So if you're hyper-focused on Black men who have all of those things, it's one out of every 250 guys, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. If you open up your, your net, widen your net, you are literally giving yourself a 35 times more chance of finding your person. That is why I am so, so hugely a fan of widening your net, right? People think, oh my God, it means going straight to the white man. No girl, you, there's, there, there are things in between, <laughs> yeah. right? My, I'm 
pro-Black woman and I just want you to find love. I don't care what it looks like. I just want you to experience it, right? And that is why I am a huge proponent of all of this. I get a lot of flack, but I think it's worth it because when I get DMs talking about, oh my God, I gave this guy a chance and now we're going out and we're together and I'm the happiest that I've ever been, right? I love that. I love that for them. I think that there is a bit of toxic loyalty when it comes to the Black man. And sometimes it is rooted in like sometimes trauma, right? That for many of us, uh, our Black fathers were emotionally or physically absent. And so it is our opportunity to try to rewrite history and almost feel that void a little bit. When in reality, there are tons of men that will be able to be an amazing partner for you. And so I, my, I, all I'm saying is, let's see, let's give everyone a chance, girl. It's the hunger games. Like (laughs) may the best survive. That's what I'm saying more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, maybe a trauma background, but I think also I don't know if you've seen this too. The loyalty is if you date outside your race, then you must not love your people. You must not love yourself. You are a traitor, you know, versus you can fully be connected to your identity and to your people and love your people and find love in the form that it comes in. And they're not mutually exclusive. 100%. And most of that, most of that rhetoric is coming from Black men. Please understand that this is a Black patriarchal message that really tries to force women, Black women, and Black women are already marrying Black men at a 93% rate, right? Mm -hmm. Versus Black men, I think it's closer to 85%. And if they're in the upper echelons, it's closer to 70, 75%, right? Mm -hmm. So please understand, like, it's not, there's no parity there. because so many of our mothers, grandmothers, foremothers have had to settle and have had to build with these men. And that is the message. Most Black women are already building and building at a higher, greater, better rate. Single Black women make more than single Black men. Mm -hmm. It is the only racial group where that happens. So I think it's important to understand, honey, if you want to get married and you're 28, 30, 34, right? Please understand that most Black men, the average age of getting married is around 35, whereas the other racial groups is around 30 because they're in a different position financially, uh, education, employment-wise that is ready for a relationship. A man will never marry you if he doesn't feel like he's ready to provide and protect for an entire family for the rest of his life. And unfortunately, because of institutional racism and other things, a lot of these black men are not able to get there until a later time, if at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a sad reality and it, it mm-hmm. I, I don't, have happiness in sharing that news. But I also think that we need to be very real with ourselves. And I want y'all to have love. I want y'all to have that soft life that y'all, many of us want, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't have that if we're engaging with uh, individuals that might not be ready for a relationship or marriage and or are still struggling. Right. And then wondering, internalizing that, is that being a problem 
a, a problem with you. You know, I've I've seen some of your work that talks about those stats. And one stat that you didn't mention is the percentage of men who may have all those qualifiers, but they're not ready to be in a relationship. They're not emotionally ready and don't really want to settle down. And I see a lot of women who will meet someone who has all those qualifiers and they either openly or through their action or inaction show that they're not interested in a partnership. And so the person, the woman is so heartbroken and shattered wondering why her love wasn't enough, why she wasn't enough, but there was nothing wrong with you. That man was not ready. He was not going to commit, not because you couldn't convert him, but it was his own issue. It was his own blockages, not hers. 100%. And one of the things that I think is important that oh, I haven't necessarily mentioned is that there is a huge gender ratio gap. Mm -hmm. So for every 100 Black women, there are only 88 Black men. So quiet as it's kept, honey, we're some of us are going to have to date outside and marry outside because there's not enough. That's why Atlanta is the hardest city to date in. Because you have six to eight Black women that are chasing and pursuing one Black man. Of course, there's going to be a lot of poly relationships there. Of course, he might not treat you the best because he has options. Yeah. And he doesn't have to, unfortunately. And so there's a, there's a power imbalance there. And I think it's important for the audience to understand and know that so that they don't feel like they have to do that. You get to regain your power when you start to have options. It's the same like having, you know, finding a job and, and having three different offers versus being stuck in a job that you don't like. You have options and you get to negotiate and you get to leverage for your own, you know, self-improvement and, you know, state. Yeah. And I think I also saw you share that in looking at the statistics of, maybe it wasn't you, it might've been somebody else. I don't know. But I saw somewhere <laughs> that people were talking about the um, in interracial relationships of all different matches, Black men, Asian women, white men, Black women, Black women and, black, and white men are the happiest. My goodness. I am so sorry. Starting where I left off and all the mixes of different interracial relationships um, between Black men, Asian women, Latino women, Black men, but that the happiest relationships are white men and Black women that are the longest lasting, the most successful and all that. Is that accurate? Is that what you've seen? 100%. 100%. And people don't want to really talk about it. Yeah. And the flip side is that Black men and white women have a divorce rate that is 200% more than the average. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I see often is, please understand that if a white man wants to be with a Black woman, he is really ignoring all of the social conditioning around what race is and even oftentimes what gender is and the, gen the you know traditional gender roles so many of those men will be doing more household duties and chores and you know really in more service that's one two white men are more educated um, unfortunately i mean i think that they have close to a 50 or 60 percent increase in graduation graduation rates they make 50% more than Black men, so they are more stable and ready to be married, as well as the fact that, like, 
because black women make more than black men, there's often this competition that happens. And black men often feel emasculated and they will want to humble you if they feel that way. And so it, it makes for a contentious relationship. I think recently Tiana Taylor was in the news sharing that she felt like she needed to dim her light because this man, even though he was successful, was not as successful as she is or was. So he wanted to dim her. And that often happens in such relationships. So um, those are some of the things that the, the dynamics around kind of, you know, a white man, black woman relationship that I think work really well. I think that oftentimes, um, you know, like we were saying before, once black women are in a relationship, they're often very much in their feminine energy which is, which is, um, you know, and white men are very much in their masculine energy and relationships. So um, am I saying that every black woman should get with a white man? No, but I'm saying it's an option. And guess what? The formula has been quite successful. Yeah. I have one more question about that because I know we are coming to the end. I was talking with my clients about this too, about when they're going outside. And actually I tried to talk about this on a recent podcast episode. And I was like, I don't think I said this right. And I remember that you talk about this. And so I'm like, I'm going to, when I ask him to be on a podcast, I'm going to ask if he can talk about it and make it sound good. But talking with non-Black men um, Mm -hmm. who may not be obvious in that the fact that they like you and that they're interested if you are someone who is currently open to dating interracially or maybe want to be, how would they know if their story is, well, they never look at me or I think they're cute, but no one talks to me. What would you say to that? Well, a couple of things, girl. So I actually just had a viral video about this. So I, non-Black men are checking for you. Please understand that even in elementary school, they've been checking for, they've been checking for you since kindergarten, girl. Yeah, it's just when they're younger, they're more focused on their peer group and that has a big influence. And so they don't want to step outside of that with more exposure, with the Internet, with globalization. They have more exposure to the culture and they're very much interested. So I want you to understand that first and foremost. And actually, the data says that even like um, Middle Eastern men have a, a like a higher response rate online than black men do. So just FYI, there are people that are checking for you that are non black. You're right. They're not going to flirt in the overt ways that maybe black or brown men might flirt with you, right? And 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 that's okay, right? They flirt differently, and it is important for you to understand that. And it's, it's going to be so important for you to pick up on these signs because they're going to be wanting to cultivate a friendship. You don't every time I hear, "Oh my god, like this guy that I ended up being with, he was friends with me for three or six months. I didn't even know that he wanted to like, he was interested in me. That's how, that's how you hear it. That's how those meet stories happen with these interracial couples. So a couple of things that I think are important. One, I always say if a non-Black man is talking with you for more than two or three minutes, he's probably flirting with you. Like I am like 90, 95% sure that he is flirting with you. And it doesn't seem like that because he's talking about the weather and he's talking about, you know, whatever's in front of you. No girl. And just think about it. Like how many conversations do you have with non-Black men on an everyday basis (laughs) that you don't work with and that like are not in service of you, like in a store or something? Probably not many. Right. And so please understand that if a guy is having an like elongated conversation with you, it is because he is interested in you. 
That's number one. Number two, many of them will stare, right? Um, if you want to know if they're interested in you, I always say, look at their feet. If their feet are pointing toward you, even if they're not, their body is pointing somewhere else, it means that they're interested in you. How do I know this? Because I'm a gay man and I needed to know who was living for me and who wasn't girl. So I need to know who I could get and who I couldn't get. Never fails. If his feet are pointing towards you and he's looking at you or staring at you, he's into you. Now, what does this mean? You have a choice. You can stay where you are and ha and give major green like green lights, right? Eye contact, smiling, waving, right? If that's your stilo, great. You can also start up a conversation with them, right? And I actually recommend that we start conversations, not drive them, right? That's his job once you start it because we got to break the ice. He needs to know, I'm open. I'm open to a conversation. How do we do this? You can give him a compliment. You can ask for help. You can ask for a recommendation. Hey, that looks good. What are you, what are you eating or what are you drinking, right? Ask for help. Hey, can you pass me that, that green beans can, right? Um, a compliment. Oh my God, I love your shirt. Where'd you get it from? Very easy to start it and see if he drives it and finishes it. You would be surprised what will happen when you do that. Now, if you are um, bold like me, honey, you can also walk up to them and just say, you know, I see that you're staring at me. Are you flirting with me or should I be scared? Oftentimes they'll say, they'll say, I'm flirting line. with you. Yeah? <laughs> and then you have the conversation and now you've broken the ice and now you can flirt and, and, and be in your romantic uh, gig. Yeah? yeah. But like, they're there. They're just doing it differently. So it doesn't feel like you're there. And I'm sure many of your listeners are like, I fumbled many bags here. Girl, you can start, you can start today. Let's go. Yeah. And that conversation, you're expecting them also to ask you for phone numbers and ask you out, or is it because they're still feeling it out? It's okay for you to initiate giving your phone number or something to them. They're still going to fill it out. And so getting a phone number will be like a 50-50 flip of a coin. Okay. And if you really like him, give him your number, girl. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to do it differently. But I always say you get to create your love life. You don't have to wait on it. Yeah. In 2023, 2024, we will be, we'll be the choosers. And we will stop waiting to be chosen. And that is a much more empowering state to be in when it comes to your dating and your love life. Love that. Love that. Love that so much. Yes. Well, before we close and you tell everyone where they can find you at, is there anything that you would want to share with the audience that I didn't ask or that we didn't get to today? I would just say, continue listening to this podcast because it's really all about healing, right? And if you're not healed, there won't be any relationship that will work because awesome. your traumas and your triggers will create the disconnection. So your job is to heal. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast now lets me know that you're already on your journey to the best love and relationship of your life if you're not already in it. Love it. Thank you so much. So this was so great. And I can't wait to post this for our audience to hear it. Can you let those who have fallen in love with what you have shared and want to learn more and want to work with you? Can you let everyone know where to find you at? 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm getting big on TikTok these days. So you can find me on TikTok at, at datingcoachanwar, or you can go to my website, getyourguycoaching.com. And, you know, there are free trainings there. There, if you want to book a consultation and see if it's a good fit to work together, that's an opportunity as well. So lots of opportunities. And I also have a podcast called the Get Your Guy Coaching Podcast, where I talk about all of this and more. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you again so much for being with us. And I'm sure many people will be reaching out. I love it. Thank you so much for having me.